With over 50 years of real estate experience, the team at Powell Fine Homes have dedicated our careers to taking care of our clients, ensuring that they get the best possible results and service when they engage us to represent them. From first-time home buyers to multi-million dollar home sellers, from regular sales to short sales and foreclosures, we've seen it all and educated our clients along the way. As broker owners, we have serious visibility into the Los Angeles and Ventura County real estate markets and are about to share some of what we're seeing with you right now. Get ready for the Powell Fine Homes Real Estate Show. Okay, welcome back to the first episode of 2021. Sorry for the absence we had in 2020. That was definitely a challenging year for everybody across the board, and we were quite laser focused on our business side without being able to get to the podcast and some other things. So we apologize for that, but we are back and want to talk about something that we've been hearing a lot of the last part of last year and the first part of this year. And is that's, are we in a bubble? So, you know, it's certainly a valid question because we all have the scars of 2008 fresh in our minds because that was the last big one. And quite honestly, that was the big one, but we hear from clients, both buyers, sellers, and also past clients, guys we sold houses to last year. Like, hey, I, I really think we're in a bubble. This is just unsustainable. And, you know, it's a very understandable position to take. So we decided to dive into some data and take a look and say, okay, we officially don't think we're in a bubble, but we do see some of the concerning areas that some of our clients have brought up and that, you know, we had double-digit gains last year in appreciation. That's not sustainable. But that also doesn't mean we're in a bubble. You got to think back to 2008. We had lenders who would basically give a loan to anybody. You know, the joke is if you could fog a mirror, you could get a million dollar loan and close it in three weeks. And that was a true statement. You really could. But, you know, there's plenty of instances where you didn't even need to fog a mirror. I think I read a couple stories where dogs had bought a house. Literally somebody's dog qualified for a loan and bought a house. So, Obviously, underwriting standards were not what they should have been back then. And then when the house of cards started tumbling, prices followed and everything else followed. And we wound up in a recession. But we're in a completely different situation right now. There's a couple things you need to remember about anyone who bought a home from 2011 or 12 to today. So we're talking about an eight-year window, almost 10 years on the, on the from the extremes of both sides of the spectrum. And number one, they had to be creditworthy, especially back 11, 12, when we come out of the, the big recession, lenders were scared to lend money. So they were very, very uh, discerning, for lack of a better term, as far as who they would approve money for. You really, really had to have low debt to income ratio, high FICOs, very steady income. And since then, it has relaxed a little bit each year, but nothing like what we had in the early 2000s. So... Number one, anyone who bought a home was creditworthy. Number two, the longer they have that house, the more equity they have. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. We were looking at, we were showing some first-time buyers some homes out in Moore Park last week, and we had been in the same neighborhood with one of our investors in 2010, 2011, looking at homes in there. And back then, we could have bought those homes, you know, a three-bedroom, two-bath, for anywhere between 275000 to 350000 depending on whether or not it had been upgraded. And right now, those same homes are between six fifty and seven hundred. So, you know, they've almost doubled since two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. But, you know, what that brings us to is equity. 
or what they call nested equity. When you own the house for years and years and years and your equity keeps building, they call that the nested equity. So many of the owners right now have a ton of equity. Even if they lose their job, if they've had their home for five or six years, they still have a very comfortable cushion of equity with which to work with when they go to sell the house, which keeps the pricing in place. Last but not least, and this is why we know we're not in a bubble, at least speaking specifically to Southern California, is that we don't have enough inventory. And when I say we don't have enough inventory, to meet the built-in organic demand within the state, and this is from people moving in, from people getting older, having families, outgrowing the one-bedroom condos they have, however they want to uh, you know, cast it, we need to build about 180,000 units per year of homes for people to live in, whether it's condo, townhomes, single-family homes, any combination of the three. But that's what we need to build. And we have not hit that number in memory, honestly. I mean, from 2008 to 2013, they didn't build anything. And I think our best year in construction since then was maybe 110,000 units statewide. So because of this, we have about a 1.5 million unit shortage in California when you look at number of units we should have versus the demand that exists. And, and there's two other triggers on this that are putting additional pressure on. One is that over, you know, high 60%, low 70%. It used to be 71% dialed in perfectly, but it's changed a little bit since then. But, you know, say high 60% of the 55 and older homeowner demographic haven't sold their home since 1999. So that inventory channel is basically shut down. When their kids went off, went to college, they didn't, you know, sell the house and get a smaller place. And because they're protected by Prop 13 with the lower property taxes and the house is either paid off or close to being paid off, they can't find a lower cost of living within California. So until they actually exit the state or pass away or get to the point where they need to be in assisted living, they're going to stay put where they are. So we're losing that inventory channel. And we already touched briefly on the fact we didn't build anything from 2008 to 2013. So we have that issue there. And then another key factor that needs to be considered is the fact that the Gen keep saying Gen X, but it's actually Gen Y and Gen Z and whatever the, the ones after that are, uh, that demographic group, which is just now in the last couple of years coming into what we would call the age of home ownership, meaning they're in, getting to that point in their life where they're making enough money, they're married, maybe they're having kids or maybe they, you know, whatever the situation is, they're getting prosperous enough to enter the homeowner group. So that group is literally bigger on a headcount than the boomers are. So now you have this group just entering, you know, age-wise, they're just coming into the homeowner demographic group. You have the lowest interest rates in history and you have the lowest inventory in history. So everybody wants to buy a house because money's as cheap as it's going to get in most people's lifetime at this point. And they qualify. They have good-paying jobs. And now with remote working, people are realizing, I don't have to live in San Francisco or downtown LA or Santa Monica or wherever. They can live wherever they want. So the suburbs now all of a sudden become much more attractive because now you can have a yard and you can have a bigger house and maybe even a pool for the same money you'd pay for a condo down on Wilshire. So uh, that is helping with the demand in Southern California. So those three things by themselves will keep us from being in a bubble. The only thing that Kirsten and I can see on the horizon that could create an issue is the fact that the government between last year and this year is spending so much money. I mean, as we make this podcast today, there is a $1.9 trillion stimulus package going through Congress. I don't know what it's going to look like when it's finally done and said, and I don't know what the actual 
net impact is going to be on the economy because you know, I, I didn't read the whole thing like it, I don't think anybody else ever has. But just skimming it, there seems to be a ton of foreign aid in there and there's a ton of other problem, money in there. But I just don't know how much is actually getting to businesses and getting to people that are employed or can be employed, but, you know, how it's going to actually put money into the economy that's going to turn around and wind up in people's pockets. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. But I'm old enough to remember when the even talk of a trillion-dollar deficit just seemed to be, you know, cataclysmic. Nobody could even imagine that, the de if the, they, you know, the common sense was if, if we ever got to a trillion-dollar deficit, the economy would collapse. And now, you know, we're doing twice that in a single stimulus package. So times have changed, but as you print more money in the government, you have to start raising interest rates on your on the treasuries, notes, and the things that affect the mortgage rates. So as inflation rears its head, which we're starting to see signs of right now, and the government issues more and more debt, they have to make that a little more attractive to people to keep buying it, which means you have to give higher yields, which turns around and has an impact on the uh, mortgage rates, which over time will have an impact on housing. So, as we stand right now, you know, there's, I guess there's one other thing I want to talk about before, before we close up, and that's the employment numbers. Because jobs, when you look at, go back to when the COVID first hit last year, we had, I think, 152 million, 153 million people in the workforce. And then we turn around and COVID hits and we shed just a ton of jobs. I, I think it got down to about 130 million. So we shed almost 22, 23 million jobs. And right now, I think we're somewhere between 142, 143 million jobs back in. So, so say we're 10 million dollars. I'm sorry, 10 million jobs short of where we were a year ago. So, the last jobs report we just saw was kind of disappointing. But as more vaccines come out, and as they get more importantly, more widely distributed, code becomes less and less of an issue, and we'll start seeing the sectors that are either completely shut down or are severely impacted you know like hospitality airlines restaurants stuff like that we'll start seeing those guys reopen so we'll start seeing jobs come back in those sectors as well so we should start seeing employment move in the right direction the entire year as vaccines become more effective covid becomes more and more a scenario that's in the rearview mirror as far as the economy I, it'll be here you know certainly all of this year and probably part of next year too but as the vaccines get better and as the producers of those vaccines get better and quicker at addressing the mutant strains as they come out. Right, right now, South Africa seems to be the virus that all the current vaccines are least effective on, but they are also saying that they can get a booster version of each vaccine tweaked to the or customized to each variant within a matter of months instead of talking about a year, and that will help address those mutant strains as they pop up. So again, COVID becomes more of a backseat issue and we start seeing more full employment come on. So again, from what Kirsten and I can see from all the things we look at and we make our bread and butter in real estate. So we're looking at it every day. Things look pretty good. We do expect this year to be every bit as good as last year, as far as sales and appreciation, and everything else. The wild card is inflation and how that affects our uh, interest rates for mortgages, because as the mortgage rates go up, that will slow down the, the affordability and the, uh, number of people looking for homes and as we saw back in 2019 or actually it was back half of 18 and the first half of 19 when their interest rates were bumping up against five percent actually got over five percent for a while 
that certainly put a chill on the market and it actually stopped appreciation. And I think, I want to say that if you look at December 18 versus December 17, there was actually some contraction in pricing. But once they started cutting rates again, everything picked right back up. And those kind of speed bumps from time to time are actually good because you don't want to have three or four years of double-digit price increases. That's just, that's not sustainable. And it takes affordability to a place that will require either 40 or 50-year mortgages to be introduced or such a hard rate hike like we had in 2018-19 that it just stops everything for six months, seven months, that lets everybody cool off and then comes back in with either lower interest rates or lower pricing, figure out what happens. So as it stands right now, 2021 is going to be a good year. And money is as low, the cost of money is as low as most of us are ever going to see in the rest of our lives. I mean, I, I cannot imagine, you know, I think last year was as low as we'll see in our lifetimes. But, but you know, if there is a complete economic meltdown, then yeah, it could get that low again where we are seeing 30-year mortgages at 2.25, 2. You know, low two point whatever, and you could even there was a couple of days where you could have snagged a fifteen year for under two points. But again, those were anomalies, not the norm. But with most mortgages under three percent right now, that's free money as far as most money most people are concerned. So, no bubble as we see it right now. But if we do see one, we certainly would call that out too. But as the economy gets better, as the vaccines get better, as they get more widespread. I do think we'll see further appreciation and hopefully more inventory this year so we can get more people into homes and get help other people move on with their life. So there you have it. Any questions, give us a call. The phone number is in the outro here as well as our email. We look forward to hearing from you. And please, if there's a topic within real estate you want to hear us talk about, send it to us at sold at powellfinehomes.com and we'll get it on. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard or you want more info, please give us a call at 805-404-1167. Again, that's 805-404-1167 or send an email to sold at powellfinehomes.com. If you're ready to move on with your life in Los Angeles or Ventura counties, call us even quicker. The team at Powell Fine Homes are your real estate experts and who you hire matters. You can find us on the web, on Facebook, and on Instagram every day, and you'll love the results that our proven systems and model deliver for you. Call, email, or DM us today, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening.